Welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Your hosts, Marcy and Jenny, are talking and drinking their way through Newberry award-winning books, past and present. Hello and welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Marcy. This is our interview with Newberry-winning author Catherine Applegate. We spoke with her a few months back at Little Shop of Stories in Decatur, Georgia. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. This is going to be fun. I'm a big fan, by the way. You know, first of all, it's tart in the title. It's just like (laughs) irresistible. And Newberry has, uh, you know, some personal meaning to me. So um, the combination. Thank you so much. The year that Ivan came out, did you hear any Newberry buzz? Um, You know, that's funny because um, I remember doing an interview afterwards with um, a journalist from one of the PW or SLJ or something who said, well, it was kind of a surprise, wasn't it? And and the funny thing was... um, I had at least heard a little teeny bit of buzz. Like Bessie Bird had mentioned it as a possibility. And um, of course, it seemed wildly impossible. And I was too stupid to know that I should ignore all that. I have since learned to <laughs> completely ignore all that stuff. But um, yeah, I did not think in my wildest dreams that was a possibility. Truly. Truly. I just reread Ivan again last night to refresh my memory, and I was struck by how so often in kids' books there's an adventure, and even if somebody's being kind and fulfilling a promise or something like that, they're doing it by having a fight or something violent. Ivan is such a gentle book, and that's so useful in today's society. Someone said to me, um, and this hadn't really occurred to me, that it was useful to have a male protagonist, Um, yes, he happens to be a gorilla, uh, who was, in fact, very gentle and caring and modeling compassion and that kind of thing. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it's, it's very true. Where were you when you got the Newberry call? Oh, I was in, um, Virginia, And I was celebrating my sister's 50th birthday, and my daughter was with me, and she had like a 103 temperature. So at the moment I got the call, I was Googling urgent care clinics (laughs) and thinking, okay, we were about to fly home to California. It was, do I get on the plane? Is that bad parenting? How bad a parent would I be? And then the phone rang. And it said Seattle, and I just, I could not even begin to imagine who I knew in Seattle. So it was, um, someone said to me, it was like the longest pause in Newberry history. I'm sure it was because I was dumbfounded. And eventually I got coherent and said, um, this is like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me since, since I adopted my daughter and, and had my son. And about half an hour later, I remembered I had a husband. So I <laughs> they, they understand. Well, and he is clearly just so proud of you. I read his Hornbook profile of you. It is hilarious. And the pride of you just shines out. I love that piece. And yet it's like, it's so honest, you know, I mean, it warts and all. It was perfect. It was very Michael. <laughs> And you guys have worked together on quite a few books. Did you create the Animorphs series together? Yeah, and in fact, at that point in his life, he was like, I want, I want nothing to do with kids' books. He was more than happy to help. Um, we were hacking, doing every possible kind of hacking imaginable. Um, 
Sweet Valley Twins and lots of series and um, girls who love horses and horses who love girls and you name it. And getting tired, but we were paying the rent at least, which when you're writing is a huge thing. And I said I would love to do um, a, the kind of book where I kids in the heads of animals. And we knew we loved writing for middle graders. They are just the best. Um, and Michael said, you know, that's got to be sci-fi. That's the only way you can pull this off. And so we kind of melded the two ideas. And it was a good pairing because he's so good at plotting. And I really liked doing character and dialogue. And, the, you know, we, would, it, we, we thought we would have an organized structure, but I would say it's like sausage and legislation. You do not want to see how it's done. <laughs> very unattractive back and forth and you know I we had a new baby so whoever had the baby and was making the coffee that other person would then go ahead and write a couple paragraphs it was not an organized thing at all and maybe that was good because we got practice doing different stuff how you got that done with a new baby I do not know I do not either. I'm, I'm sure caffeine was involved. Um, and it was exhilarating for it to be our own series. We had sent it in over the transom to Gene Firewell at Scholastic just on a whim, which, you know, you don't do. Um, and she saw the potential in it. And in fact, we had a terrible title. We called it Changelings. And she said, nah, Animorphs. And she was so right. Um, so it was at at first it was really exhilarating. I have and later I think we got darker and more complex with the plots because we wanted to change things up. Otherwise, it's really hard. How much input did you have on the iconic Animorph covers? Oh, that was all Dave Mattingly, the artist, and then um, and I'm sorry I don't recall who else was involved at Scholastic, but man, those are great covers. Those are just amazing. And to the point where they become memes now, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're just amazing. And you know, that was back before we had all kinds of uh, software that could pretty much generate it. I mean, Dave was working, you know, from scratch. Speaking of illustrations, I was looking again at the illustrations for Ivan. Did you have any input in choosing the illustrator for Ivan? The illustrations are just perfect for the book. Aren't they perfect? Patricia Castellaro, I believe she lives in Portugal, or she used to, and I have never met her, but I, she just, when I saw those, I was just blown away. That is a magical moment, you know, uh, especially for someone like me, because I am the farthest thing from an artist. I'm lucky to draw a straight line. And you've written, and it's in your head, and then it comes back to you, and it's like, oh. That's exactly what I was thinking. In fact, Bob, the dog and the one and only Ivan, is precisely my very dog. And I don't know how she channeled him. My dog, Stan. Um, and it, it, was, it was shocking to see. So I, I love getting illustrations. It's always, it's always a surprise. She seemed to just pick little moments and illustrate them perfectly. There's the baby elephant sticking his trunk out of the truck. That drawing is just break your heart beautiful. It's so poignant, I know. Can, I, 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 that's such a gift to be able to do that. And I think um, the book really would have suffered without illustrations. It wouldn't have been the same book. So you needed those. Have you been to the Atlanta Zoo at all? Oh, yes. Were you here when Jody Kerrigan was here? Yeah, she... Um, I went 
when Ivan was still alive and I had just finished the manuscript and I went to the front office and I said, look, I wrote a, I wrote a book about your gorilla. And they're like, yeah, lady, we hear that every three hours, you know. <laughs> they wanted nothing to do with me. I said, no, I'm really, truly a writer. And they did let me in. And they, they, I, so I sat there, as I said, in the rain for three hours and he was not a fan of wet weather. Um, but it was still gratifying to see this animal have some control over his life. And much later, I met Jody, and it was fascinating to hear the stories about him. He was such a character. I mean, he was not surprisingly human in many ways, you know, a bit of a prankster, and um, apparently much beloved by the, the younger gorillas. You know, he's like everybody's favorite uncle. I could not believe she let me get, you know, to actually get up close and see the... Uh, especially the baby gorillas, who are incredibly funny. They're like the most obnoxious toddlers in the world. And, you know, you, you look away and they start pounding because they really want your attention. And the, the, the humanness is inescapable. You look in their eyes. And... Our favorites, when we see the little gorillas put grass on their heads and spin around until it falls off. That's hilarious. And it's magical because it's so human. Or maybe we're so ape-like, you know. Um, but we're all primates, and it's just pretty, pretty fantastic to be that close to them. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I've come back to Atlanta a lot because of Ivan, and every single time it's been such a joy. I've also done Seattle a lot, where I've met people who used to see Ivan oh, wow. in Tacoma uh, when he was young, and when he was at the mall, and they remember vividly him being in that little cage. I looked up photos and I was really shocked that he was in such a small cage for so long. It was, oh, it was heartbreaking. And, you know, I'm convinced that a lot of the people involved really cared about him. Um, it was a different time and we didn't know what wild animals needed, captive wild, wild animals. We didn't know they needed to be around others of their own kind. Um, they, were, they were trying in their own way, um, but there were so many activists who got involved in getting him released even kids which i think is great you know standing out there and yelling and boycotting and it took a long time there was a lot of litigation but eventually it happened that's wonderful was there really a baby elephant there too no well i read i i did a lot of research and i i went to the T tacoma public library archives they were so helpful god i love librarians and um they were oh they were just the best and they dug up all these old yellowing new, uh, newspaper clippings, and I did come across one that mentioned a baby elephant that had been at the B&I and had the, the original mall, and had something about gotten into a can of paint and gotten paint all over it, and I don't know if that's apocryphal, um, but that was the, the germ of the idea. Some of the other animals I mentioned, like the seal who ate all the pennies, mm -hmm. that really happened. Um, Yes, yeah, so there was, I think there was a chicken or a rooster or something that rode around on a fire engine. The, the particulars escape me at the moment, but um, they had quite a menagerie off and on. When you went to the Newberry ceremony, do you have any particular remembrances of your speech or just being there? Nausea, sweating. <laughs> 
a vague sense that I was about to do something horrible. Um, it was, you know, everybody told me it was so great because I think there's a sort of Newberry camaraderie. And um, I heard from lots of other Newberry folks. And I have since taken on that wonderful uh, responsibility of trying to get in touch afterwards and say, hey, if you need anything, here's what you do. Because it's it's very overwhelming at first. And uh, the speech is, of course, the thing. I, I am such an introvert. I hate giving speeches. And that, as soon as I won, I thought, oh, no. If it had been an honor, then I wouldn't have to give the speech. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. It's terrifying. Fortunately, they make you do it pretty quickly so they can record it. So, and my wonderful editor, Anne Hoppy, helped me through it because I'd give her drafts and she'd go, Catherine, you can't say that. <laughs> so she was very helpful because I just didn't know. I'd never been to a Newberry ceremony. Um, and everybody tells you eat, for, uh, eat first or um, bring a granola bar or something because you will not eat during the dinner, which was absolutely true. And you're sitting up there and everybody's looking at you. Um, Oh, it was horrible and yet wonderful. <laughs> and so um, I was vastly relieved to get it over with. And, and the rest of the night was wonderful because you're just, everybody's so kind. You know, I've told other Newberry winners that um, you can't fail when you give that speech because everybody's rooting for you. And that's, it's a nice feeling. You're really celebrating books. It's not about that particular book. It's just about loving books. You're here at Little Shop of Stories promoting your newest book, a picture book, Sometimes You Fly. Mm -hmm. With amazing illustrations by Jennifer Reinhardt. I, I feel guilty even promoting this book because she did all the heavy lifting. It's, I just love her illustrations. It's very much dependent on the page turn because it's about milestones and about all the hard work that goes into those milestones. So we have the, you know, graduation, of course, but we have littler moments, too, like learning to swim or learning to eat your peas. And she captures these domestic moments with such um, charm. Uh, I just, that was a moment when, you, you know, you first see the pictures and you go, whoa. And I just had tears in my eyes. I thought it was so perfectly done. Yeah, that's the kind of book that can make you just tear up. It is so sweet. Oh, thank you. It's useful because I, I realized something when I was doing uh, author visits. Teachers are always saying, will you please explain to kids that writing is about rewriting and they're going to make mistakes? And I thought, yeah, that is something I wish I had known. It took me about 40 years to figure it out. And so it's very much about making mistakes and how much that's a part of how we learn. And we forget that, don't you think? You know, the inner editor in your head is always talking. So that's a hard part. And you have another book coming out soon, Endling? Yes, it's coming out next month. Um, and this, the catalyst for this, was literally my daughter on Reddit noticing a word. And the word was E-N-D-L-I-N-G, Endling, which has not even been... Uh, it's not in most dictionaries yet. It's been coined. It refers to the last animal or plant in a species or subspecies. And, you know, like we just lost Sudan, the last male white, northern white rhino, recently. And there are two more females left, as I understand it. And when one of them dies, we will be down to the endling. 
and unfortunately it's become very commonplace. Um, we're going through what a lot of people call the sixth great extinction. Most of these species are dying because of man. And so that's kind of where the idea came from. And I pitched it to my editor and said, isn't this a cool idea? And then I realized, oh, wait, I might need a plot. <laughs> it's always a good idea when you're writing a book. So I created my own species, and it was fun. Wow. Yeah, that's it's the godlike powers. Um, Bix is a uh, female Darren, and a Darren is sort of like a a Labrador walking upright who is sentient and can talk and has a pouch and is capable of short glides through the air and five-fingered. Um, and anything else I wanted to throw in as I went along. <laughs> it's really fun. I highly recommend it. Um, and it was fun to write. Your love of animals and the idea that all animals should be treated with kindness is such a huge part of your work, and I just love that. Animals, and kids always pick up on that. They'll say, you know, how come all your books have animals in them? That I was I was that kid. I'm the, I was writing about this the other day. You know, when I go to a cocktail party, I'm the person who goes straight to the family dog in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> for many reasons. But um, I love animals, and I, I worked for a veterinarian when I was growing up and um, realized it was like a real job. But um, I think think the idea of connecting, of the, trying to understand what's going on in their heads is really part of the fascination for me. I always say I, I wish I could grow up and be Jane Goodall, and um, there would be issues with that because I like Starbucks nearby, and <laughs> or Pete's would be even better. She's one of my heroes. I dressed up as her for Halloween last year. See, that's what I would be. I met her at a book signing once, and she, oh, she had like a thousand people there. And, oh, man, she was so patient and kind. But what a life. What an amazing life. Now, on a more frivolous note, on the podcast, we pair a cocktail with each book. So we like to ask authors if they have a favorite drink. Oh, I had forgotten that part. I would have, I would have thought about this a little more. Well, I'm, they're both kind of cliche. I, I love a good margarita if it's done well. You can't go wrong. I like salt, salty things. And um, I actually have become a fan of Manhattan. It's a good Manhattan. Well made, yeah. It has to be just right. Um, but I'm perfectly happy with a beer. So. <laughs> Well, those are all great choices, and I'm glad because when I was thinking about when we do the review episode of The One and Only Ivan, what are we going to end up with? Banana liqueur or cotton candy or a white Russian oh, or what? Yes. <laughs> and well, neither of us like dairy and alcohol, so a white Russian is out for Ivan. Well, I was thinking about that cotton candy flavored vodka. Oh, no, no, don't go there. No, no, no. Also, yeah, that might be a little too on the nose for his circus days. Um... He also liked yogurt raisins, but I don't see that going anywhere. <laughs> There's a lot of moonshine that tastes like raisins. You, but how would you know that? <laughs> None. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, banana, you can't go. Uh, banana just, uh, okay, well. Well, thank you for saving us from that. <laughs> I'm so glad I could help. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, 
you guys are so much fun. We could just, let's go out and have a margarita. Or some banana liqueur. <laughs> Throw some banana runs in there, a double threat. I hear moonshine is good. No, it isn't. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Again, this is Newberry Tart. We were speaking with Newberry Award-winning author Catherine Applegate during her visit to Little Shop of Stories in Decatur, Georgia. Please rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to our podcast. It helps other people find us and helps us keep the podcast going. Thanks for listening. Bye. Production assistance for Newberry Tart is provided by Raphael Siebenman and Liam Grove. Graphic design by Liz Mytinger. Intro and outro by Ariana Hargrave. Theme music for this podcast is provided by the laid-back and local Throckmorton Ukulele Band. You can hear more of their music on Facebook. Find more Newberry Tart episodes at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our website is Newberry Tart. That's N E W B E R Y T A R T dot com.